Okay, what's up, y'all? I'm Dean Julius, the seventh grade English teacher here at St. Andrews, and welcome back to another episode of Parent Teacher Conference, a podcast about popular and enduring topics in education from the perspectives of parents, teachers, and educators. Um, in today's episode, Katie Hathcock, a cool parent and an awesome person, Meriwether Truckner, a sixth grade history teacher and an equally awesome person, and Hayden Archie, an eighth grade student, a volleyball player, and a basketball player, and a cheerleader. <laughs> she does a lot. We're going to talk about classroom management um, and student behavior in class. Let's get started. Um, I think if we could narrow it down to one misunderstood and underappreciated truth about teaching, um, it's that management in the classroom, sort of being the captain of a ship of 20-odd students, um, is probably the most challenging aspect about being a teacher. Could we all agree on that premise from the start? Yes. It, yes. Okay. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, and I read an article the other day uh, in Edutopia by Ben Johnson that suggested that sort of self-care, building relationships clear boundaries and rules, and then good parental communication are like the four foundational elements to building like a good classroom. So my first question for y'all is, what would you say from your various different perspectives, student, teacher, parent, um, are the right elements, the necessary elements for being a good manager in a class? Like Hayden, from your perspective, perhaps, what, what made your best teaching or your best teacher experiences, what made those good teachers uh, and what management skills did they have that helped you? Uh, um, the way that like if they were understanding and like coming from my point of view as a student, it would be better. Like some teachers don't understand like being a student versus being the actual teacher. And so it's just better having an understanding and someone like you can work with and with school. And then you have to like go to sleep on time and then mm -hmm. take care of your like personal hygiene and everything. Yeah. And so the way I would, I try to like do that is by like setting reminders for myself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like on my phone, if I'm nice. being honest, because sometimes I forget. And um, I try the, my best to like. And some of that is because I know that you're way more type A than I am. Um, so. That's obviously something I can't really change about myself. But you have a mastery of this balance between like good organization and also authoritativeness in your classroom. But also, like Hayden said, understanding your students and empathizing with them. Like, what are some strategies that you use as a teacher to, to maybe do what Hayden was just suggesting? Yeah, I feel like. Um, thank you, by the way. That is really sweet. I can't imagine like. I would never have thought that someone would peg me as good at being classroom management. Like that's kind of something that I wouldn't necessarily say was a strength of mine. So I appreciate that. That makes You're me welcome. feel better. You're welcome. Um, I think that the most important thing is like setting expectations. I think that teachers and like I'm a parent too. So I feel like a lot of my perspective comes from raising my two kids. I think that parents and teachers and just adults in general kind of expect kids to know what you want from them, but they don't actually tell them what you want from them. Uh -huh. So I feel like in my class and at home with my kids, like I'm a big like explainer of expectations, everything that we do, this is what I expect from you. Like this is, 
you know, in this activity, I want you to be talking to your neighbor or in this activity, you need to be silently working. And I think just being clear and consistent with kids helps them know what to do because I just don't think that they, they like aren't born knowing how they're supposed to act in my history class or in your English class. That's something that is a learned trait. And I think that sometimes we forget to teach them like, and be clear about it. I really, really um, appreciate that perspective and have learned so much. I I know you outside of the St. Andrews setting as well. And um, I've learned so much um, in the way that you parent because I think you're so right. It's um, laying some kind of expectation for kids helps them know because we we can't expect them to just know um, what we want out of them. So it is, I, I think, an excellent just starting point is tell them what you want, tell them what you you know expect, and and then often they meet or exceed those expectations. I really like that you called them expectations. I I started this year in my, I mean obviously every year we have like classroom rules, uh, but this year I thought to myself like the the idea the notion of rules just seems punitive or like. It just didn't seem like the right word, and sometimes I think syntax really matters. So I just reframed it, and I said, these are the expectations of my classroom. Um, I expect you to listen and follow directions. I expect you to raise your hand. Um, And I think that's really helped. Um, I feel like you get more student buy-in when you just say, "I, I expect you to do this. This isn't a rule, per se. It's just this is, like, the bare minimum. And I think that it's true. Like, even, you know, my... I teach history, but I feel like I'm kind of more interested in just like being a role model to kids and like teaching them how to be good humans. And I feel like even like little things, like for example, my son who's five, like doesn't, when somebody says good morning, he doesn't necessarily say good morning back. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Katie thankfully was like my um, little assistant a couple years ago when William was three, because we would come into camp together to summer camp and Katie would say good morning to William and he would just kind of look at her and he gets really shy. Like that's why he's not saying it. But like I have used that as a like, but when someone says good morning, you have to respond with good morning. And so Katie so sweetly practiced with William like every morning for an entire summer and just let him like learn how to say good morning to somebody. Because even it's like the little things that you know, when we're in assembly and the kids don't clap after someone speaks, like that is a taught thing that we have to teach them. And yeah. like, I just think that especially after being in a pandemic, like life, this social skills that we as adults know, like they aren't learning necessarily unless sure. we explicitly sure. teach them. What about, what about self-care? So you know, in Ben Johnson's article, he says one of the key ingredients for being a good manager, uh, but also probably too, Hayden, for being a good student in a classroom uh, is taking care of yourself. Like, wh- what does that look like? I feel like particularly after COVID, like that's got to be tough. We've all been trying to figure out how to take care of ourselves and do all the, you know, milieu of things that we've been working on. Um, to me as a student, I think it's more about like time management because the activities I have outside of school and with school, and then you have to like go to sleep on time and then mm-hmm. take care of your like personal hygiene and everything. Yeah. And so the way I would, I try to like do that is by 
like setting reminders for myself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like on my phone, if nice. I'm being honest, because sometimes I forget. And um, I try the, my best to like, I don't know, just keep my keep an open mind to mm-hmm. what I have to do, and then still like ha- have sense enough. To, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, have sense enough to get like all that stuff done, and yeah. you know, given that you have. I mean, like I just said at the start of the podcast, like you're, you're in so many different extracurriculars. Seventh grade is the first year that you really get involved in extracurriculars outside of school too. Was that tough, the transition of like going from fifth and sixth grade to just like kind of happy-go-lucky doing stuff to, oh, I have cheer now after school and dance yeah. and all these other things? It was actually like a really big change for me because in sixth grade, the only thing I did was like select soccer out of school and I would have practice like twice a week. And then the more homework you get every year and like the more stuff you had to do. And that was the first year we wrote any essays and stuff like that. So I think it was a major difference for me. So I actually had to learn how to time manage yeah, and how and try to make my grades not drop and still do all the things that I wanted to do out of, outside of school. I can only imagine that COVID probably made that harder. I think it's really important what you're talking about. Those, um, would you call them social emotional skills? Would you call them, uh, anyway, I think that's so huge, Hayden. Um, that's another thing that we just don't automatically know how to do is time management. And, um, I think our phones, for instance, and, um, all the distractions that we have these days can really, I think, hinder time management as an adult and as a student. So, um, you know, congrats to you for getting that, you know, and realizing that's an important, um, that's a really important skill. Yeah. We're all definitely learning. (laughs) Yeah. I think that these sort of things come up in the classroom all the time too. Like as a teacher, I feel like I'm just like constantly narrating to them, like my feelings, which sounds like kind of weird, I guess. But like today, for example, I was like very nervous about this podcast. And so when they're like during morning meeting and we're talking about it, I would say like, I'm feeling really anxious about this and they like can respond in that way. But I think that it's really important for kids to hear that like adults are having to work through some of their own like feelings and like time management stuff. Like when they're like, Miss Trugner, why haven't you graded those tests? And I'll say, well, my son's soccer game went until 7.30 last night and then we had to do dinner and homework and baths and I didn't Mm -hmm. have time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that it's really important for us to share our, like, our stories, I guess, with them. Like, I don't by any means pretend to be perfect. And I, like, gave up on that in the classroom, like, a long Mm -hmm. time ago. Like, I feel like I am who I am, and I want them to see that. I think, uh, go ahead. ahead. (laughs) That was one of my favorite things about your class, because I remember we would walk in, and you had, like, the magnets, and you would put, like, a magnet on, like, a certain mood, and there was, like, these four categories. It was, like sad, happy or something and like all like different like adjectives that you would use like to describe how you're exactly feeling in that moment. It was actually really helpful to me because also like fifth and sixth grade was a major difference because we also had more homework because it like gets harder every year. So it really helped. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that makes me so happy because I feel like one of the things that I always say as a teacher uh, just got validated in in real time like I I I think that kids don't necessarily remember the history you taught them but Hayden definitely remembers how you made her feel and that to me means everything 
And to me as a parent, it means everything too. Yeah. It, it's wonderful. Um, I have to say I grew up in a very different public school setting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about punitive, you know, discipline and, um, that type of thing, that's sort of where I am coming from. And it's such a comfort that education has changed in the time since I was in school to be more student focused. And, um, I, I just really appreciate it. That's yeah. such a huge, you know, weight. Um, I have an eighth grader and a fourth grader, and they, you know, one the fourth grader is still in elementary school, and they're still very, you know, they have more than one teacher, but still very one teacher focused. And in eighth grade, you know, there's a whole lot of teachers whose expectations you have to manage. So um, it's different, but I think what's been consistent about um, their educational experience is that their teachers are empathetic and interested in how they're feeling and, um, and how they're doing in school. And that's really important. It seems like there's a common thread here about empathy and sincerity from teachers, and that goes a long way to getting student buy-in. And if I remember correctly, a couple podcasts ago, uh, Josh Brister and Dr. Rust and I all talked about that, like how when you level with a kid on a bad day, when you're, you know, things are getting really rough, it can really help. And I, I think back to times when I felt sick, like last year or um, two years ago, and I said, hey, y'all, I just, I don't feel good today. It would really be helpful if you could just empathize for a second and be on your best behavior today. And it always worked. Um, and I don't, I mean, I rarely ever get sick, but like when you do, you really need that. Mm -hmm. Um, nice. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Katie, this question is specifically for you and it's about, you know, the importance of what Ben Johnson said, like parent-teacher communication. Um, and he says that like, in order to be a good manager, you have to have this good balance between speaking with parents um, what does that look like? What does good parent-teacher communication look like tangibly? I think that's a really good question. I think it can look lots of different ways, right, depending on the age and stage. Mm -hmm. um, I work with really young kids doing music classes, and I can, uh, um, while I'm doing music with the little ones, I see the teachers snapping pictures or little videos, and they share that on an app called Seesaw. And yeah, yeah, yeah. as a parent of a, a kid that young, to see little snapshots of the day mm -hmm. is super important and um, just makes the parent feel so much more comfortable and have something to maybe ask their toddler about later, like, did you have music today? These are, you know, things that really help from a parental uh, perspective. I would say as they get older, um, like with my fourth grader, there are occasional emails. Um, they might be to the whole class. They might be, you know, individual. But it's just so nice to hear occasionally. It doesn't have to be a lot. And especially in the times of the COVID, um, I know that teachers have such a burden, um, just so much more to deal with than they ever have. So um, I think, again, the empathy from both the parents and the teachers uh, comes into play. But, you know, often, especially with my older child, um, often no news is good news 
in middle school. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but any kind of interaction that we have is, is appreciated. It really is. Uh, you know, I don't need snapshots throughout the day like I used to, but um, it's nice to hear about what's going on at school um, always. It's always nice to hear. What about positive feedback, Meriwether? You're a, you're a parent as well, and I know something that we've been working on in the middle school this year is like trying to commend kids who are doing well. Um, I feel like that's something that probably all of us maybe have lacked a little um, in our in our management practice. Um, but I, I've tried it out this year. I've already sent a few commendations, and I feel like. I don't know. I feel good doing it. I hope the kids feel good when they get a little note from me that says, hey, you're a rock star. Well, in my advisory this morning, a couple of them got little notes from their teachers, and they were all like, look what I got from my teacher. That's and awesome. they like read it out loud, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. They're yeah. really excited about that. Um, I think that it is so important, and we don't do that as enough as we need to. And I'll be honest, like as an adult, I feel like I need people that are telling me that, like oh, for sure. all the time. I would like to have people tell me, yeah. like, "You're doing a good job with this." And we all want a gold star. Yes, everybody wants yeah. one. And like, I feel like a specific thing is really helpful. Like my um, daughter is in third grade, and she is so sweet, and she is so like lovely and sweet and everything, but like when she gets like a specific compliment, I feel like that is something that she can really like hang her hat on, you know, and I think that we should strive to be really specific about things, and I think that it's easy like when you know your students, and you know, I feel like that like as a teacher, one of my goals is like I want them like this sounds so middle school, but like, I want them to like me, you know, like I want them to like to be with me. Like I want them to want to come to my class and like, I don't, I'm not like trying to be their friend or anything, but like, I want our time together to be special, like for both of us and to be a, a place where they enjoy coming and they feel comfortable coming. And then when they do that, like, it's easy for them to, like, it's easy for me to find specifics because I know them. Yeah. And they know it's meaningful because they know me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, a good point and a good distinction. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily about friendship. It's about, like, developing this sort of shared camaraderie between everybody in the room. Well, and it's hard to do. Sorry, Dean. No, you're um, fine. I would imagine that it's, um, thinking back to, like, child development situations, um, it's catching them when they're doing something right. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you're, you're getting, you know, they're getting positive reinforcement and also, um, probably you're getting more buy-in from them because you noticed, you know, I feel like it would help in your classroom management because they are already, they're feeling buoyed from the, the, you know, the praise that they've gotten. Mm -hmm. It makes me like feel better about my, about like the work that I'm doing and like, even like outside of school. And like in on like the curricular activities I do, like you would always want your coach to be like, oh, good pass or something like that. So it makes me like want to do better. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten any commendations yet? This year? Yeah. I don't remember. You're oh, sleeping, eighth grade teachers. <laughs> You're sleeping. Yeah. Somebody give this kid a commendation. She deserves <laughs> it. Um, okay, here's a tough one. Um, what do you do when the poo hits the fan? Like. By that, I mean when, when stuff gets tough in the classroom. Hayden, for you, that could look like wh- what do you do on your tough days when you know it's going to be hard for you to, you know, 
not be disruptive or Katie, like as a parent, like when the kids are just being kids or Meriwether both, like your kids at home or school is just one of those days. Like what are your strategies? Well, I feel like for me, like from a parent perspective, like if one of my kids does something wrong, like one of my own like personal kids does something wrong, like I'm... I don't like immediately write them off as bad children, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh, this was terrible that you drew on the wall, but like, I still love you and like, we're gonna fix this and it's gonna be fine. And I feel like I try to transfer that into the classroom. So, like, if I do have a student or a whole class of students who are like just being out of control, like, I feel like the default needs to be compassion. Mm -hmm. Like, they are out of control for a reason. Like, there is something going on with them. Like, they are not bad children, they are just something's up and I don't know for me I feel like always trying to think about like it in a form of compassion instead of like immediately wanting to like give everybody detentions and like rage and scream but also like if things are really bad like I'm a firm believer of like a reset like when my kids at home wake up and they are like grumpy and stuff I send them back to their beds and I'm like we're gonna start this day over and then I come in like really silly like oh my gosh good morning I'm so glad that you just woke up and like pretend like we just started and in the classroom like this happened yesterday they came into my room like crazy people and I sent everybody out and I was like we're gonna start again like we're gonna start again and you're gonna come in like this is and at the door I was like I expect you to walk into the room and be ready for class so that means finding your desk like again like with the expectations that's a good one like, I'm a firm believer of a reset. So <laughs> I love that. I bet, I bet Hayden remembers Light that from my room. Y'all go back outside. We're going to try this again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's a great idea. Um, so, as far as stuff hitting the fan, uh, I feel like last year we had a couple of examples with my daughter um, of parent-teacher communication. Um, one that went really well and one that went not as well. And um, the main difference was communication. It was an email. It was, um, you know, a teacher sort of reaching out and saying, hey, I, I know this was a bad day for her. And so here's how I think we can fix it. And from the other, in the other case, there was just sort of radio silence. And um, I tell you that email sort of outlining what happened and how we're going to fix it I mean, I'm a fan of that teacher now sure. forever. Yeah. <laughs> forever. When I feel like break it, fix it, like we have been through a responsive classroom training, which is very similar to positive parenting training, like which I've kind of dappled in both. Um, but I feel like the break it, fix it mantra is the easiest thing. Like I do that all the time. Like, oh, you drew on the wall. How are we going to fix it? Like, oh, you spilled your milk. Like, how do we fix yeah. it? Or like, oh, you hurt your friend's feelings at school. How do you fix it? Or like, oh, you disrupted class. Mm-hmm. What can you do to fix it? And I feel like that kind of like growth mindset way of disciplining, like you really are disciplining in that you're like trying to teach them, but like you're trying to teach them how to do it better next time. Like, yeah, you messed up. We all do. So let's move forward so that next time you don't do that again. Yeah. And I think like the forward thinking is the best way to tackle those sort of situations. Mm-hmm. Logical consequences. Hayden, what about you? What do you, what do you do on those tough days? Um, Usually on my tough days, I just, I don't talk as much, if I'm being honest. I just try to, like, keep, 
like I don't want my bad energy to like rub off on someone else. Mm-hmm. So I usually try to keep to myself or like talk to one other person. But I don't want to like make a big deal out of it or something like that. That's that, fair. That seems like a pretty good acting yeah. strategy. Well, um, I think the last thing I would would ask is about you know COVID, and I feel like it's 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 impossible for me to not ask a question about it because it's still so pervasive. Uh, and especially in our state, like how has it changed at all the way you think about your classroom and how you navigate it? Um, for example, Hayden, how has that changed your engagement in class? Um, obviously last year being virtual for so much time and the, and the semester before that being exclusively at home, basically the whole semester, like surely that changed how you, um, thought about school treated school Meriwether like obviously as a as a fellow teacher like we've had to relearn how to fly the plane um Katie I'm sure that's made parenting like and Meriwether too like way more challenging um I it made it more difficult to like be attentive and I think it was like a really big difference because obviously that hasn't happened in my generation before, like ever. That was like the first time where I had to like wear a mask wherever I go and like like and pay attention to like how I'm talking to someone like six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Like it made like a really big difference in my life and it, and I couldn't do as many things. Like I remember the summer going in seventh grade, I stayed at home for like most of the summer because it was such a big deal and it's such, it just started. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's gotten a lot better, especially at school. And we do have kind of like a smaller environment in school and an outdoor campus versus like major like public schools, which I think is a lot better for COVID obviously. But sometimes I wish it would just like go away Yeah. because it made it like a lot harder f- for me and like my family and it just caused a lot more problems than I ever thought like that could happen to me or anyone else. What about the what about the workload element of it? Like going from, you know, having homework in the afternoon to essentially being in front of your computer for eight hours a day. What was that like? Um, for me I would just like sit in my bed and then as soon as I get the work I would leave like the Google Meet and just go do my work. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't have any practices because everything got canceled. So I'd just be at home and, like, stuck in the house all day doing work. Was that tough, like, trying to be attentive, I say in air quotes, because I know that really nobody was, probably, if I'm being (laughs) honest. But, like, being attentive in a class for 45 minutes on a Google Meet? Yeah. And then, like, if I wanted to talk to anyone, I would also have to use a screen because I couldn't go see them in person. Sure. Everybody had their phone out on the side, you know, like texting their friends, like, this meeting is so boring. (laughs) Okay. All right. Truth confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about the the teaching aspect of it, the parenting aspect of it? I feel like for me, like, predictability is always something that I've strived to be. I feel like I am, like, you know, just, like, ridiculously predictable, like, but in a good way. And I feel like COVID has made me want to continue to be that way, like predictable and constant. And like in a world where you really don't know if like 
we were supposed to have a football game tomorrow, but it's canceled. You know, we really don't know what is happening. I feel like there has to be some sort of, like for kids, I feel like they need to have some sort of constant. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's made me want to be that even more. And I feel like before COVID, I was interested in like having a classroom community and like setting up and social emotional learning. And I was interested in all of those stuff. But like after COVID, I feel like I'm like, even more like this is way more important than me teaching you that Rome was founded in 753 BC, you know, like that, that sort of part of my classroom, I think became much more important to me than the actual teaching part. Someone asked me the other day about that. Like who, who was it? Was it you? Someone asked me like, how do you, it was you. You asked me about like, Hey, I'm I'm gonna sacrifice some time in my class to to like read a book, but like convince me why I need to do that. And I think you just convinced yourself. The truth is like kids want community and yes, like I'm teaching sentence fragments and complete sentences and run-ons right now, but like they also just want to get along with each other and like build meaningful connections with each other and that that matters perhaps even more than sentence fragments and run-ons in the long run, I think. I think so too. So COVID like added on to like history. So last year, that's like the only thing we would talk about, like related to every single topic. To chime in from, I guess, just the home and parenting perspective, um, COVID, well, I think humans in general don't like uncertainty. Sure. And it's just brought uncertainty to every part of life. Mm -hmm. So one thing I've noticed is that sort of piggybacking on what you were saying, Mary, whether it is consistency, um, reliability, trying to be a constant in their lives has been important. Us trying to, you know, eat together more often, um, you know, make a safe space for them to talk about things that were hard, um, which sometimes they want to talk about and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just, you know, need a break from it all. So I I wouldn't, you know, I don't know that there's any one way to get through it um, or to, you know, advice to give, but I think it has made a difference for us to focus on what we can do at home to sort of make a safe space for their big feelings. Because there's a lot of big feelings, you know, for adults and kids. But um, trying to make a space for that um, has been something I've tried to do. Adding to, like, the uncertainty, like, when like when COVID was, like, major last year, more than it is now, you, you didn't know, like, who you were going to see the next day. Because, not to be brutal, but they could, like, die if they had the disease. Mm-hmm. So that also added on to, like, stress for everybody and, like, sure. wearing their mask. And, like, I lost family members to COVID. I know friends who lost family members to COVID. And I think that's probably why we talked about it so much last year, but it's also, like, really rough being, like, a child who has to deal with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, y'all, I don't want to end on a negative note. Uh, (laughs) But I feel like... I feel like this was great. Uh, I think this conversation was awesome. I'm really appreciative of y'all for coming on the podcast, especially uh, Hayden for sacrificing her lunch time to come on over here. Um, Air high fives for everybody. Air high fives. Good job, guys.
Okay.